Remember the scripture says that he has given us scriptures for our learning. He gives many details of many different prophets, many different families throughout the word of God. Certainly couldn't give them all because he gives us that which we need. And when we study those, yes, we look at the history, we look at all God wants us to, but at the same time, I like to look at my life because that's why God has given us a scripture to model our life. And many times, probably more times, he tells about the bad things people do than the good. That's probably for a lot of reason, because most people do more bad than good. But yet he gives us the whole thing, his will, their will, and how they accomplish or fail to accomplish his will. And as we're looking at the account here, we're going to look at the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah to begin with. And I want to use some personal things because as we go through the book of Jonah or any book in the Bible or any character in the Bible, we see many of their mistakes and failures. But let's make application for ourselves. That's why he gives us the precious word of God, to make application. Let's read in the book of Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. See, what had happened, God had just saved multitudes of people in Nineveh. You would think you'd be very happy. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. Our job is to be about his business. Our job is to help seek and save, because once we're saved, we're headed for the kingdom of God. We have a birth here in America, most of us. And then we have a new birth in heaven. That determines that we're going to go there. So if he takes us right after salvation, uh, we're still going to heaven. But he leads us here for a reason, to be ambassadors, to help others. Because there's more people, no doubt, that's lost and undone and will end up in the lake of fire and, and the devil's hell than we'll go to heaven. So our job is to be about that. Now, Jonah had done reluctantly, and we'll get into that, and he displeased him. All he went around the city crying, God's going to bring destruction. And he wasn't too much on repentance because he really did not want them to repent. We don't know all the mind of Jodah, but we know they were Gentiles. He was a Jew, and we don't know all that was in his heart, but God did. But nonetheless, we know what he told us to do. We know in verse 1, it displeased Jonah exceedingly he was mad and he was very angry at what God had done stop and think about that look at your life I look at my life and and God will bring back some things in their life that's what I want to do this morning let him bring back things in their life and are we pleased with what God's done when I look at my life I get unhappy and displeased about what I've done, but I have never, surely, and surely it will not come to my mind that I would be displeased at something God's done. Why? Because God's done right. He's doing right. He will do right. But nonetheless, we look at Jonah now, and we can be critical of him all we want to, but that's not what it's about this morning. It's about my life and yours. Are we pleased with what God has done in our lives? Are we pleased that God has accomplished some things in their, in their life for other people? That's what it's all about. It wasn't about Jonah. He thought it was, 
but it's really about all those people that just got saved. Let's continue. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray that your Lord was not this my saying when I was yet in my country. Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Isn't that amazing? It's the greatest revival in the history of society so far, no doubt. All these thousands of people got saved. You know what that means? They won't have to go to the devil's hell. And the children now that were uh, old enough to get saved and know right from wrong, they're going to make some decisions in their life. No doubt they're going to have a marriage and have children, and they have the opportunity, probably didn't, but they have the opportunity to rear those children right and tell them about the God that has mercy and grace and all those things that was accomplished. But it was so much about Jonah and his self that he couldn't comprehend that. How is it in my life and yours when I think about those things that God has done for me? Uh, and my mind cannot go there to think that any of us would ever be displeased for God saving sinners. But nonetheless, we keep reading and see what happens after this because God hasn't spoken yet. God's done a great, mighty miracle, but now he hears Jonah's request to die. Lord, just let me die. It's better for me. See, it's all about him. It's not what you want. It's not that maybe you have another opportunity. Maybe there's another great city. Maybe there's another great, but maybe back in my own homeland, those people aren't walking with God. In fact, he was uh, the prophet during a time of great distress, and there was Jeroboam, and those rulers were so wicked and so evil. The Bible says they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He could have said, Lord, now you've spared them. Uh, give me the liberty and give me the grace and give me the strength to go back and prophesy and preach. If you did it with the Gentiles, surely you could do it with their own people. But that wasn't his heart's desire. See, it was all about him. Let's keep reading. The Bible, and the Lord, then said the Lord, doth thou well to be angry? Just ask the question trying to get him to make some judgments life. And sometimes God orchestrates that for you. He lets events happen. He gives you some projects to do or somewhere to go, something to do, and then how you react to it. Of course, he's the one that done it. All Jonah was doing was saying what God had told him to say, and God did the rest. That's all we have to do. If we ever come to the place to realize that when God gives us an opportunity to go and he says, this is what I want you to do, and it looks sometimes, oh, that's impossible. It is for you, but not impossible for God. And all we have to do is agree with him. Yes, you said it, I'll go. And the good news is along the way, he's the one that does it. And he's teaching us along the way. Jonah, you just go and walk around and prophesy and I'll do the rest. And now he asks a question. He said, do you do well? Start thinking yourself, are you... Do you have a right to be angry, particularly with me or with what I've done? He was angry of what God had done. So Jonah went out of the city 
and set on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and set under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and he smote the gourd that hit withered, it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared the imminent east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doth thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, and for which thou hast not labored, neither maketh it grow, which came up in the night, and perished in the night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. He ends the chapter with a question mark. And it's all about him. Anyway, stop and think. Now, here he is on the edge of a city, and it's very hot there. And then to add to his discomfort, he caused that wind to blow, and it was so. And he was sitting there looking upon the city, still hoping that God would bring it to know, lay it flat, perish it. And then when he saw that God was not going to do that, he was grieved. And he was hot and, and body. He, he was very uncomfortable. And, and God saw that and says, well, maybe God gives you every opportunity, gives me every opportunity. So he prepared in a night the great gourd. And we don't know how big it was, what type it was, but we do know it was big enough to shade. And under the shade, of course, several degrees different because the wind blows under there because uh, it's, the, the heat is different and there's always a breeze. And so he was sitting there comforted. But then in one night, God caused it to perish. And then he got mad about that. I want to speak to you this morning concerning our gourd, that which God has prepared for us. And we're sitting there. Are we comfortable? Or are we looking back at what we think God has done wrong? Or are we looking back at maybe some things we've done right? But I want us to look and realize that God's the one that has done it all. Just to think he causes a gourd. We know we plant a crop. We plant a grain of corn. And used to, I was in the type I wanted to have corn. I wanted to have corn out of the garden. Uh, in June, and I kept planting all those years, you know, plant it early, and it'll come. It, it might, but it's waiting for the right season, not just the right, the right temperature, the ground temperature. But anyway, it comes up. God did this, and then the corn comes up, and we see it. It's got a little stalk, and it seems like, boy, that corn will never grow. I want that 
finished product. I want that ear of corn. Nothing like, in my opinion, uh, ear of corn just fresh out of the garden. We're waiting for that. It seems like it takes forever. I, I remember one time an evangelist, first time I had a revival meeting in my former church, I'd uh, call an evangelist, an older guy who came and preached a revival, great man of God. Uh, and in conversation for him, he lived in Chattanooga at the time. Uh, we were talking on the phone. He said, son, how are your church doing? I said, well, pretty good, but we're growing slow. He said, that's good, son. That's good. I said, no, wait a minute. I, I want to grow fast. He said, let's look at how God does that. He said, if you plant the grain of corn and it came up, and two days later, it, it had a stalk and you saw a little butter ear of corn. And on the third day, it was fully grown. Would you eat it? And I said, no, sir, I would not. He said, why? I said, it would be unnatural. He said, son, be careful about these things that pop up overnight. God may not be in it whatsoever. And that taught me so much. Be patient. And God is trying to teach Jonah patience. You're sitting there watching what I'm going to do. It's not about what I'm going to do. I'm going to do right. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there mad? Are you going to sit there angry, displeased? And I'll show you your real self. Here's this gourd. And the sun comes out. And there was a little breeze. And he had comfort that day. But the next day, there was no comfort. And to add to it, God caused the, this, the imminent east wind even hotter to scorch him, to try to see, Jonah, it's not about you. It's not about you're trying to judge me. So look at their self as we're under that, what God is prepared, because we are under the shadow of his wings. We're there. And did he do it instantly? Probably not for every one of us. It's a gradual thing. It's a very gradual thing. And God expects us to take those opportunities in their life. I want to look at four different points this morning. First of all, I want to go back to the beginning of what we see about Jonah. And it'll take you and I perhaps back to the beginning of when God started speaking to us. I was a 12-year-old boy, reared in church all my life. But as a 12-year-old boy... Uh, I'd already made a profession of faith, and that's all it was, a profession of faith when I was nine years old, and that's a long story. But now I realize that God has to prepare the heart, and God will do that. So sitting in a church service, God prepared my heart. He convicted my heart. And when he spoke to me that day, and, and I realized and I knew that that profession I'd made was uh, false, and the baptism didn't mean anything because I wasn't saved, but that day, there was a new, renewed spirit in my, my life. I had an opportunity, an open door. God spoke to me. That's conviction. That's when God speaks. Let's go back to Jonah. We understand in chapter 1, in the uh, first chapter of Jonah, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Just think about the fact that the word of the Lord the God of heaven, the creator God, 
David said, who is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that he has visited him? And when God speaks to your heart, and we look in the past, those of us that are saved, and start thinking and being thankful that God cared about you before you were ever born and sent his son into this world to suffer and die and, uh, and resurrect from the dead and go to heaven and sit on the mercy seat with the blood and then send the Holy Ghost to speak to your heart and show you that we were lost. God speaks. And so God spoke to him. We don't know how old he was. We do know a little bit more about him because uh, we know one other time his father is mentioned, and that would be found in 2 Kings chapter 14, 25. We uh, even understand in this verse uh, from what part of the country he's in. He's talking about now in those days, as we read this one verse, uh, he's living in those wicked days, and a wicked king is there, and he tells a little bit about that wicked king. This wicked king, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord, God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittiah, the prophet, which was of Gath-Hephir. We know where he came from, up northern Israel. We know his father. And he had already been using Jonah. We don't know how. And we have this one account, and it ends with a question mark. Jonah, what are you going to do now? How are you going to react? Do you really have a right to be mad? And there the, he was still sitting there, it seems as though, under his little booth. But the shade that God had made for him was all gone. See, if God has prepared, and he has for every one of us, a place may even call it a, a booth or a session. He had walked this great distance after finally, remember, he had taken a ship because he didn't want to go. He fled. And the second thing is, when God speaks to you for salvation, what was your response? God spoke to him. We understand he was reared to who his father was, where he came from, and now God used him during that evil situation, that evil coming. But God wanted to use him outside. Remember the Bible says after Jesus arose from the dead, he told his disciples uh, to go out and, and preach the gospel and begin at Jerusalem. And so he used him there in his own country. But now we go to the ends of the earth. There's other places to go and other things to do. But we'll never do it unless we have a good beginning at Jerusalem. It seems as though he had, so God spoke again to him. And God has a great, great opportunity for him to go. In the book of uh, Jonah, chapter 1, we understand we don't have time to read all. We, we know the story. How he fled from the voice of God. God has spoke to him and give him this great task. He did not have a right. Neither do you, neither do I. When God speaks after salvation... We belong to him. We, they're their parents. We know how when we speak to our children, that's one of the first things we probably teach them. Children, uh, we are over you. You know, we tell you what to do. You don't tell us what to do. And we expect you. God has given us the right as parents. We expect you when we speak and, and when we give you uh, an order, when we tell you what you ought to do, God has given us that right, and we love you, and that's why we're doing it. 
And if you have a child from a little age that would rebel and say, no, I'm not going to do it. We know how we would as parents feel a child telling us who knows it all and has done everything we think, and then we get in the flesh, you will do it too. But those unruly children, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Well, just like in even a thousand times more, that we parents are over our children in the Lord, how much more is our Heavenly Father over us? David says, who is man? Who are we? We're just like little grasshoppers. They're the king of glory that knows everything. He not only knows everything past, he knows us. He knows your heart. He knows everything he's got for us. He knows the plans he's going to give us. And all we have to do is yield. And once we yield to his command and we're willing to go, he will prepare the way. God sometimes does it even if he gives us a, a command to do. Somebody will do it. And now Jonah is, he has an opportunity, and we have an opportunity. Why? Because God has his umbrella over us to shield us from all, even when we're out of his will, God forgives. But it doesn't pay to stay there because God instantly can destroy that safety, that security that he has prepared over us and our families. He could destroy in a moment's notice. I'll tell you the best way to keep it there. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, and if we have faith in him, he takes care of every need. He said he would be a buckler and a shield to those that walk uprightly. All we have to do, he's a buckler, he's a shield, shield over us, beside us, under us, behind us. He knows everything about our being. He knows the task that we are to perform. He has not only called us to be ambassadors, but he provides as we go through the shield, the shield of faith, the opportunities to grow in grace and knowledge. And he's already got the pathway laid out for us. All we have to do is yield to it. Jonah refused. Let's look, second of all, when we refuse what God does, you can't get away from his presence. David said, if I flee uh, into heaven, you're here. If I go in the heart of the earth, you're I can't flee from your presence. Jonah instantly, it was so about himself, he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I won't go to Nineveh. I'll get as far. He wasn't willing to stay in his homeland. He said, I'll get as far away from Nineveh and from the voice of God as I can. So he goes to Joppa, pays the fare, gets on the ship, going to Tarshish as far away as he possibly could get. God can't find me now. Well, God found him all right. He found him in the ship. And when he found him in the ship, he prepared a wind. And that wind started rocking the boat. And then the third thing people look at, well, it's my life. Children, I think, are bad for this. Older people are probably even worse. I think and middle-aged people, you, you're, you're getting there. You're going to be the same way if you're not careful. That we think in our minds sometimes that it's my life, I'll live it to please me, and my children may be grown, and it won't affect them. Yes, it will affect them. It won't affect my church. Oh, yes, it'll affect your church. It'll affect everything around you when you're out of the will of God. 
now he is and the ways you're coming and remember he's on somebody else's ship and there's other things on that ship besides people there is important things you know it's a ship that takes produce and goods to other places and the storm was so bad they had to throw everything over or lost there will be lost when you and I get out of the will of God and won't go where he says go when he says go as he says go we have no right to refuse much less form our own judgment. I won't do it because God's wrong and I'm right. No, God's never wrong. And most of the time, we aren't right. Because God looks, his ways are not our ways. And, and now it was so dangerous that the people in the ship determined and knew that they were going to perish. So they, not godly people, you know, somebody on board this ship is, is the cause. They realize, God let them know that. I don't think they had enough mind of their own to do it, but see, God's still in control of everything. And then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah, and Jonah had to admit, I'm a Hebrew. I fear God. Yeah, sure. And uh, they said, we don't want to lose a ship, and we don't want to lose anyone. And Jonah says, well, it's me. I'm out of the will of God. And the only way that you're going to be spared is for you to throw me in the sea. And I'll perish. Can you imagine getting to the place? I can't. I can't. My mind won't go there, and I hope yours can either, that you'd ever get to the place. You're so out of the will of God, so intimate and so decisive that you think God's wrong and you're right that you're willing only to risk other people's lives. That won't mean anything to you at that time because when you get out of the will of God, apparently everything goes really wrong, but you're willing to die. You'd rather die than do a simple thing God said do. Simple, simple for him. All he had to do was walk. Oh, it was several hundred miles to, to his destination, but he was headed several hundred miles to the wrong destination. Uh, a place that he was going to go, and now he's going to be even farther. But God won't let him get there. When he hit the sea, God calmed the sea, so the others were spared. You know the story, how he prayed from the belly of the whale. God had prepared. God knew he would be out of his will, so God ahead of time had prepared a great fish. God knows every step. Isn't it wonderful that we're serving the God? It just pleases me so much that Knows it doesn't give you a right to be out of his will. But he knows whether or not you will be out of his will. And if you are determined to stay out of his will, he'll go ahead and have something prepared to get you back on course. And me also. And fourthly and lastly, we see that in their lives, God will perform. He that began a good work within you shall perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus. May be a long journey. It may hurt a lot of people. May hurt your children, your grandchildren. May hurt your church. Definitely ruin your reputation. But you see, God has a plan for every one of our lives, and He'll tell you that plan quite simply. Jonah was not ignorant in the plan. He did not say, "Now, God, if I knew." precisely what you want me to do, I do it. Oh, no. Oh, man, that art without excuse. We have no excuse. When God speaks to your heart, you don't know every avenue. 
But we know God is the one that will give you that day by day, step by step. He knew precisely what he was to do. And he did opposite that. But God changes the course. And even though he had to spend those three nights in the belly of a whale, the whale was guided by God to spew him up in the right direction, still had a long way to go after he got on dry land. But now he came out, and he said, God, forgive me, I will go. And in the voice of the Lord came to him again. You know what he said? The same words he said the first time. God didn't change his message. He did not change his direction. He did not give him an easy way out. Jonah, you're going to do what I said do. Why? Because there are people over there that need to hear the voice of the Lord. They're evil, and I love them. And I've sent you. I don't see where Jonah ever said send somebody else because he didn't want anyone else to go. Prejudgment of what his life ought to be. That's a dangerous thing for any individual. To try, try to predetermine what my life ought to be. I'm afraid a lot of us do that. Hopefully small scale. You know, you sit down and you write out, you think out. I'm going to go to school because I have to. And I'm going to go to college if my parents make, and all that stuff. And then no doubt we even dream. And that's okay, I guess. But remember, God is the one that's overshadowing. God is the one that in the hot times, in the perilous times, when you're sitting there looking back over your life and over and see what God's going to do, he's the one shielding you even then. But when Jonah was determined, sitting there, would not change his mind after God said, are you right? Are you doing right by still being mad? I'm not going to destroy the city. Yes, I'm still doing it. Stubborn, hard-willed, hard-headed, self-willed. You wouldn't think anybody else would be like that, but obviously they are because there's still people in this world. And remember, Jonah was a safe man. He was a prophet to be used of God. Wouldn't it be a tragedy? Will the last chapter be a question from God? Let's read that last question again. Last question in the book of Jonah. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left? And also much candle. In verse 10, Thou have had pity on the gourd for the which thou have not labored, neither may grow, which came up in night and pressure that. And are you still right within yourself to be upset about all those people getting saved? And after all that, Jonah not recorded what he answered. Wouldn't be interested to know what God did to Jonah next? Did Jonah repent and go back to Israel and serve the Lord? We don't know. But God does. And God has given us opportunity this morning, every one of us. He's let us look at our own lives. From the first time he spoke to us about salvation. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted that call, God did speak. He is speaking if 
if you're convicted this morning and, and you're over the age of accountability of what God determines that to be in your life, I was 12, some of you may be a lot younger than that. But when God speaks, you know it. Oh, I knew his voice. And then when you get saved, you really know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. A stranger they will not follow. We have no excuse. And when God prepares that gourd over us and we sit there and we look, what am I going to do next? How am I going to spend my life? Am I going to serve him? I'm going to be obedient to him. Or is it still about what I want? And I can't fathom being mad at God, my just mind won't go there. A God of love, a God of mercy and grace that would send his only begotten son to this world to bleed and die for one reason, to save you and to save me. How could your mind even get so far off to be mad at what God has done? So I'm willing to do anything he says do. Why? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Would you stand this morning? Your heads are bound. Come to the piano or and play what God asked you to play. Every one of us are sitting over that thing God has prepared. We're under that. May not be a gourd tree, and it isn't. But God has provided a shield from the east wind, from the evils of this world he's got us under there and we're looking and observing hopefully they're past and we can't see our future but god can are we willing to trust him for our future as he asked us the question are you right in what you've done what you're thinking or you just want to trust me salvation used of god god could use every one of us this morning to go out and be a servant. That's what he saved us for. Not just to get us individually to heaven. That's great. Greatest thing in, in my life is salvation, preparing my heart for heaven. But there's other things just as important. And it should be as important to us as the children and grandchildren and friends and loved ones and people you don't even know that we could lead them to Jesus. What a blessing. Altars open if God spoke to your heart. Remember, God can take that preparation, that shield away anytime he wants to. He let Jonah get by with a lot of mistrust. He could have let him perish when he first hit the water in the ocean. But he chose to use him still. He done right. Don't understand, but he still done right. And he was willing to give him another opportunity. Then after he saved all those people, get your heart right. Get in your will of God. Even taking time to prepare a gourd. Let him see his mistakes. How tragic he did not see him. But see the story this morning is not just about Jonah. He just lets us use that for an illustration. The story really is about you and me am I willing to be used of God that which he has prepared for me to do am I willing to go and do it when God sends a special message 
expects everyone that I've stood here to it. Not my message whatsoever. It's God's message to us this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing us as we are. For looking deep within their heart this morning. You know everything about us. And hopefully, Father, the message you gave has enabled everyone of us to look inside their heart. And to be willing to confess if we're not walking in the way you want us to walk. And don't let us ever get to the place where we think it's just about us. And if I stay out of his will and don't yield to him, it's, it affects nobody else. Father, we saw that this morning. It just isn't right. It affected so many people. And it even affected his reputation. When we think of Jonah, we don't think of him as that great evangelist that perhaps by the spoken word, thousands and thousands of people were saved. That did happen, but we tend to remember his mistakes. Why could he get mad at God? Why wouldn't he go where God said go? And you're the judge. And know, Father, that he'll be in heaven. And if we're saved, we'll be there too. But the question is, are we really saved? Have we submitted ourselves? Not just ask forgiveness of our sins and said I'll still live my life but we've got to be willing to make you Lord of our life I pray Father this morning that every one of us will do that thank you Lord for all you've done for what you are doing use us for your glory and your praise and your honor and forgive us Lord Jesus when we fail you as often we do in that lovely name we pray with thanksgiving Amen